Hello, Tiago. Hello, Luis. Uh, today, we'll be speaking about working effectively with legacy code, which is the title of a quite famous book in software development. Uh, the question that I'm asking today is uh, I have an application currently that I started working on uh, a year and three months ago. And in that time, my like coding intelligence and my coding style has um, changed a lot. And I look at working at specific parts of my application as like working with some pretty extreme legacy code. Um, I could actually include some quite funny examples, which I'll probably go into later. And so with those, uh, I'm like looking for advice on how to work effectively with that. Okay. Maybe to, to start, we can uh, sort out definitions and what, what is for you legacy code? How do you define everything from before Monday? <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, that, that's actually a good definition. <laughs> because a lot of people say, okay, this is legacy code, this is not legacy code, but, but most of the code written is actually legacy from the moment that uh, it's written. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a good definition that uh, the book says is like legacy code is code that doesn't have tests, it's not tested mm. properly. Um, because this makes the code hard to change and difficult to change because you are never sure if it's going to break or not the changes that you're going to do. And uh, this creates some fear in the developer. Yeah. And you are less, um, let's say, in the mood of changing code because you, yeah, you ask there actually is risk a lot. cost with yeah. changing code. So the, the techniques that I like to use are actually from that book. And uh, first is like trying to cover that with tests and then changing the code and refactoring. Um, another way that when I learned this, when, when I read the book, I learned was there is always a way to do that thing incrementally. Even if you think, okay, no, this is too difficult. Mm. I have to spend two days on this for this to, to refactor this and becomes not legacy code or improve the legacy code. But actually, there are always little things that you can do to improve the developer experience in your code base. So that could be like a way to start. Okay, that's that's interesting. So, so you're defining legacy code as any code that's not tested. Yeah. And so, what what about code that is tested, but perhaps there's bugs in the test? Perhaps there's things about that test that make it not run instantly or, or like yeah so, so that was a definition from the book but my, my definition is that this code that was written like you said like <laughs> the, <laughs> the previous Monday yeah no because the example that you said is perfect your code intelligence or like how smart you are keeps on evolving you need to yeah. one phrase that I like a lot is like embracing software development as a learning activity. Yeah. So you're you never done with software development. You're always like learning new things, improving the ways that you work. So every code should be, the code that you write, should be the worst code that you produce at the moment because you are always improving. And if you look at code from one year, let's say, and you don't see anything that can be improved, then means that you are maybe not learning enough or you are not criticizing enough the things that you are building. You should always have this continuous continuous learning. 
Okay, yeah. so so with like a, the specific technique, so I, I'm talking about a book. I haven't read this book, so it's like interesting for me to learn the the technique that you're describing that this book describes is you you incrementally make little changes to the code and you also test code first write tests and then refactor okay so the book is um, a series of techniques that can apply to specific problems in uh, in your code some code smiles that you want to get rid of uh, typical examples of uh, legacy code may, may be okay my uh, view controllers for example in iOS depend on uh, my uh, persistent data persistence layer okay okay so in my view controller I import core data directly and I'm manipulating the objects in there directly yeah and the book explains how you can go from this state to a state where everything is separated and has several chapters and se several different, let's say, scenarios that you can use as a test flight, as a simulation that you can bring to your own code bases. So it's not only the technique of how to do this incrementally, but is actually how to do it. And the, each section of the book, each chapter goes to a different scenario and uh, explains, okay, we start with this code, how we arrive at the testable code. Okay. It's more, it's more like this. And, and so if there is old code in the system that hasn't had any tests written on it, how do you look at that code and work out what that code's trying to do so you can write tests? And how, how do you do that without maybe the code does something specific that's like important, but you just don't realize it does it? Mm -hmm. How And then don't write a test for it. And then you refactor and miss that thing. Mm -hmm. then, then you've lost the feature there, like that. There is a nice video from uh, Andy Matushka that is called "Refactoring the Massive View Controller," as is usually known yeah, in yeah, iOS, yeah. the MVC <laughs> design pattern. And in there, he, he does that. So you start with this huge view controller, and how how I'm going to extract this part? There are basically two ways. Or you start from the outer layer, okay? Mm. And uh, you try to extract some big function, or you even try to test that view controller in isolation, that component, separate from all the rest of the app, and like poke it around, or with the UI tests, or with the integration testing, and you, you are testing from the outer layer. Or you can go from the opposite. So you go from the inner layer, and you start. Okay, this method here, uh, I can extract this in a collaborator. You start to write tests for that collaborator, then you write tests for that function, and then you extract it to that separate object it's in a separate file yeah. that is tested. And your view controller passes from okay, right, 2,000 so lines to now is 1,980 lines. And you say, oh, that's nothing. But if you do that continuously, and that, that brings to what I think is more important when working with legacy code is actually the techniques are helpful, but it's more a question of mindset and mentality. The, the developer team should be thinking on terms of wanting to improve constantly the code base. 
Otherwise, it will be too difficult. I, I, I've worked with, with in teams that even after two years, the project still had some very messy parts in the code base. Yeah. Because no one had the positive attitude of saying, okay, let's make this better a little bit at a time. If you improve, you say reduce today, 20 lines of code, that 2,000 lines, then the next week more yeah. 20, and everyone does the same in the team, then you arrive at a, a good state. What happens usually is like people don't, don't do that, and instead of refactoring and trying to add new functionalities, they keep on adding more garbage to, <laughs> to the code mess, and then they ask for a rewrite of the application. It's, it's yeah. about in a lot of different apps in the in industry where people rewrote the app from scratch. But if, in my opinion, if the team doesn't have the right mindset, then with the rewrite, the rewrite the will not solve We walk around the rewrite. The same pressures will come from business. Developers will not have the right mentality to say, okay, no, this is important. This is not important. And uh, you, you'll so get into, in the mess up after one year again. And then you will ask for another rewrite. This is very common. That's uh, uh, very interesting. It's, it's quite um, an apt point right now. Is I um, spent quite a bit of time this weekend uh, refactoring singletons out of my Android app. It's, it's an Android app, but it's still the same concept. Mm-hmm. Um, that I did the opposite of what you suggest. And I ended up... I didn't make incremental improvements okay. and that led to all hell breaking loose because oh, yeah. when you have like a singleton pattern, like everything is like, everything was depending on basically one thing. And I was trying to get rid of that thing everywhere. And it was like, a, it was a really small thing. It's in the app. You can, have the app on five different cities. Okay. Mm-hmm. So every time they access the city, the you access that from a singleton. And so when you're in this singleton, like when, when you're like anywhere in basically any activity, which is view controller of the app, you have a thing that accesses this singleton, which is current city. Mm-hmm. And like as an example, I got rid of that, and that led to a commit that basically involved something like fifty files, and it was just like this almighty mess of I was doing, I, I wasn't making little improvements, and what it led to was because n- none of it was tested, I had this massive problem of I, I had this massive problem that the like little things were being broken because I was just like hammering away for probably two hours to try and get rid of this singleton. It was like this crazy, crazy mess. Mm. If, if my memory doesn't fail me, I actually believe there is a, a chapter focusing on this particular thing in the, in the book, in the working because <laughs> it's a very common pattern. Um, so there is always a way to... Um, to reduce this, this to do this thing like in an incremental way. And I, I was talking before with, with a friend that we were trying to separate uh, the core data implementation from his view controller. Yeah. And even in there, it is a difficult thing to do, like at first place, 
because you have every method call of core data mm-hmm. in uh, coupled to the life cycles of the view controller. Yeah. The delegate from core data calling in the table view methods. So you have it's very difficult to, to decouple this thing. And then you have also this singleton from core data that you inject in all view controllers yeah. for them to share state and get up, updates and everything. So it's always a, a difficult a difficult thing to do. What you could try to do, for example, in this case where you have, so if I understood correctly, you, you had a singleton that needs to be passed to all the activities. Yeah. Correct? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So at least, uh, and why, why was the, the main reason why it needed to be passed to all the activities? So like different, um, a game shows different bits. So, okay, the main activity has the name of the city. So it needs the name. The model controllers need to know which city they're getting data from. The other um, other view controllers need to have access to the city for like specific things. Like there's uh, some people have different permissions based on the city, so they need okay. access to the city. And it just ends up that that, that city is passed throughout the whole thing. Okay, so a first step, this is really abstract. I don't know if it makes sense or okay. not in the podcast, but a first step will, will be instead of passing uh, to all the activities the singleton, yeah. and they don't need everything from the singleton, from what I understood, will be to define like contracts that interfaces that the singleton would implement, and you only pass that to, to each activity. So let's imagine the first activity only needs like the name of the city. So it has a get name. Yeah, you will define like a new interface, like a name repository. Yeah. Okay. And you inject that. Uh, and in there, the activity uses this as repository, uh, get name, get city name. Okay. And in the singleton, it implements that. Uh, interface and when it calls when someone calls the get name it returns that from the repository but like that you are already behind like the thing that injects is still injecting the same repository but you are already defining what each activity needs and only what it needs so then you can divide can start to divide the singleton into multiple objects and multiple collaborators that will inject into each one so you still have behind the scenes the same singleton, but you already defined the, the responsibilities in each activity. Then a second a second phase, and, and this you could do without breaking. You could start with one activity, find that interface, implementing that in the repository, in the singleton, sorry. Mm. And all the others will still work because you will still inject the same singleton. Yeah. That could be a first phase. You could inject on one activity, one, two, three, all the activities that are using that singleton. And you, you still have the singleton behind the scenes, but it's getting access through a contract. Yeah. Then you can see like common things or not common things and try to separate that in another object. So you separate a little piece from the singleton into singletons. Now you have three, then in three, four, five, as many as you need. And then these singletons will eventually be one object that can be built by the dependency injector. I think that is injecting the dependency. But... Yeah, you should. My, my, my strategy is, okay, it's important to know these techniques from the book, 
because they give you a sort of perspective and things that are possible that it, after you read them, it's so well, it's like a magic trick. It's like exactly yeah. like a magic trick. After you see it, it's like so easy and you can start to do it. But before you don't know it, it's like, how do I help do this? Like, yeah. you are so confused. And um, yeah, having knowing these techniques, but then also experimenting. Now you try one way and like time box it for one hour. You say, okay, I will try this approach. Try to do this, try to do a diagram or some proof of concept. Try, try to visualize somehow what is the problem and possible solutions. And what I try to do is, okay, I try this for one hour. After it finished one hour, I didn't get any result. Okay, let's go back, define another strategy, and then try to apply that. And you go till you, you are making, you feel that you're making some progress or you can go. Because if, if you, there is a thing called like the shotgun surgery. Yeah, you, yeah. You've heard of it, no? It's when you change some point of your code and that triggers a change in 18 different classes and 20 objects. Yes. No? Yeah. And uh, if this starts to happen, then there is a problem. And you need, sometimes you need to go back and rethink the strategy. So, yeah. So studying the techniques, but also trying different approaches yeah. when refactoring, when working with legacy code and see which one works best for, best for the code at hand. Ah, okay. Not to risk first breaking all the app and second going to a dead hand or something that is too difficult to, to refactor. That will be the, the two things to take in mind. Okay, so... so uh some more i guess practical questions mm -hmm. how maybe this is a difficult question to answer but how how much of your time would you think would be spent working refactoring i guess legacy code mm -hmm. compared to like doing everything else in world mm, i will say around 20 30 percent is just maintaining the health of the code base not not only maintaining but also some features if you refactor before, they are so easily introduced. Instead of just adding a new feature and say, okay, and adding duplication maybe, or breaking the design, you think, okay, if I have this feature like this, it will take me one hour. If I refactor and then add it, it will take like two, but the remaining code base will be in a better state. Yeah. So you need to balance that with uh, the time that you have, the quantity of features, the pressures that you have. It's more uh, like a, an art than a science, let's say. Yeah. It's more guess feeling, I would say. Feeling. Because also in two years' time when you're rewriting the whole code, then maybe it's time well spent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will avoid rewriting at all costs. I'm against... Is, uh, <laughs> So, so I've, I've I'm against of rewriting always, <laughs> unless there is a very, 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 very good reason. But it's I will say ninety nine percent of the cases I'm against rewrite. Okay. So, so what about um, you have like been given for whatever reason you've inherited this code base that is legacy code that you'd like to refactor all of it. What is the, what gets priority? What is, what, what to you is worth 
refactoring and what's not. Okay, so imagine that uh, is uh, first of all it needs to communicate. I need to communicate that to the stakeholders of the project. Okay, Be- because legacy code is a cost is usually called like technical debt is a cost that you need to somehow pay. Yeah. Otherwise, the velocity of how you can deliver software and how can you impact the business gets very long and it takes a huge cost just to make like simple modification. So first thing that I will do is communicate to the stakeholders and make sure that they understand yeah. the state and the health of the code base, let's call it. So for example, let's imagine the worst scenario, uh, like a project that I got uh, inherited where there was no tests, the code has had duplication all over the place. Yeah. Okay. And well, there was also some bugs. Yeah. Okay. But in that case, the stakeholders were very happy with the project. Yeah. Because the project were, was making money and was, in their eyes, working beautiful. Because the app was, were, yeah, had a nice yeah, design. Yeah, yeah. In their eyes, okay, there was some bugs, but that's normal with every software, no? So our strategy was, okay, so first of all, we need to cover what is more important to the business. So the first thing that I will do to get me at least a little bit of confidence is like making a acceptance test of the happy path. Yep. Let's imagine that is an e-commerce application that will mean a test that uh, opens the app, logs in, check out the thing, buys the thing, and make sure it uh, it can successful this transaction. Yep. I will cover. I will write this first application and set up uh, a continuous integration with this with this pipeline. Yeah. Okay. Then I will make sure I can. Okay. I, I jumped the latest. I was <laughs> I was assuming that I could compile the project. Yeah. Because that happened in another project where I could not even like compile it. Okay. So first of all, yeah, it compiles. Uh, second of all, okay, it runs and it works. Everything like expected, the application. Because it happened also in another project where the code that I had was not the code that was in store, in the store. Yeah. The, the application was totally different. It was totally different now, but there were some missing features in the code base reg- respecting the app that was uploaded to the app store. Meaning that the developer or the developer team forgot to commit and push the, the latest change. But yeah, I will... Okay, run the application, see that everything is working. Then if the application has no test, the first thing I will do is add one that uh, UI test, the test and test that I say, that I previously said, that is the most useful thing of this application. Then my philosophy will be, okay, if this state is really bad, then we need to allocate special time just to, to do these kind of things and communicate to the stakeholders that each feature will have like this tax, let's yeah. call it, technical tax. Each time that we need to add a feature or work on a bug, we'll have this increased cost because of the health of the code base. And in case of a bug, the technique that I use is to write a, a test that validates. Yeah. yeah. Like that you are not only covering the code with tests, but you are also writing a regression test suite. So the bug will never reopen. Yeah. Okay. So you have the, these two advantages. 
Uh, and then with new features, I will make sure that each time I need to change that code base uh, and to change parts of the code, I will first cover the, the code with tests. Okay. Or in cases that is really difficult to, to verify via unit testing, I will write like a UI or a snapshot testing that verifies that nothing breaks and then tr try to change the code that way. But always uh, writing the test first and then uh, writing the new feature. And having this mentality of also allocating 20, 30% of the week just to clean the code base, uh, adding some tests, improving the developer experience. For example, with the optics, too much time to compile, how we can make it compile faster, how we can export these dependencies, remove these things that don't matter anymore for the business, etc. That will be That's <laughs> a, very, cool. so, a very overall <laughs> strategy. Let's see. Yeah, so, so to recap, we been speaking about refactoring legacy code. The um, two kind of big ideas that have come from it is there's always continual improvements that you can be make you can make, and those improvements, if you do them as a like habit as part of your like developing like experience, then the code base can remain healthy, and you never get to the point that oh you have to rewrite everything. Yeah. Um, and so, and so with that, and then also the technique to go about uh, refactoring would be to write tests first, have security in the, the, the features will remain, and then refactor. Yeah. And so I, I think that's Correct. a nice place to wrap it up. And uh, the techniques that we can use are written in the book. There are several books, so the working effectively with legacy code from Michael Feilers, but also the refactoring uh, book from Martin Fowler. And there's another book that is refactoring into patterns, into uh, okay. that is uh, also from the, um, I, 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 don't for, I don't remember the author, it's from the Addison Wesley uh, house. It's also really good in there. It shows how you can, from a code, you can refactor that into a design pattern. It's, ah, also, yeah. it's also really interesting as well. Because in there you can, let's say, study two books, so yeah, refactoring yeah. and design patterns in one book. But maybe it can be a little bit too advanced. But the, the techniques, at least for me, were really important because, like I said, it's like a magic trick. You see it. After you see it, you're like, yeah, oh, this makes yeah. total sense. But before, you're like... That's magic. <laughs> I had no idea how to... To this, yeah. That's really cool. Okay, let's wrap it up.